Charlotte Fox Weber has been working in psychotherapy for over 15 years. She recently wrote a book and did a TED talk on how to be honest about our deepest desires. I think emotions and attachment embarrass us in general and we're afraid of not getting what we want and being vulnerable and being rejected and humiliated. So there are lots of reasons we hold back from showing certain desires. Sometimes being the kind of truth crusader is, it's a lonely place. The feeling of humiliation and violation was was so strong that I, I also had to kind of, I had to process feelings that couldn't be actioned. You've gotten me to be very honest. Unusually. Hi Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. You gave a uh, uh, you gave a TED talk called "What Do You Secretly Desire?" So it's a, it's a very enticing name uh, and, into a talk. What was it about? It was about our our hidden longings and the things that we feel conflicted about wanting and struggle to admit. That's, that's quite a, quite a lot punched in there. It's it's from my work as a psychotherapist, and and I wrote a book about our hidden wants, and I've gone through it personally. Oh wow! I think let's get into all of that. But can we start with your story? So when when did psychotherapist psychotherapy start? Why why did you choose that? We go into it all. Why did I choose psychotherapy? Yeah, why did you why did you get into it? Where did it start? What's why did you study it? Oh, that's always such an impossible question to answer because whatever I say sounds dodgy and suspicious <laughs> and hypocritical. Um, I if I say something like I want to help people, that's too good to be true. But <laughs> it is good. I think I think I'm a wounded healer. I think I I really wanted to understand inner worlds and have kind of emotional intimacy and psychotherapy allows for an amazing amount of honesty that isn't possible elsewhere. It's quite an interesting one, emotional intimacy. Hmm. People don't usually phrase it like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've sometimes been too demanding thinking that I should have that kind of connection with with family and friends and it it isn't always possible but it's something that definitely is worthwhile when it when it is possible. You meant you mentioned somewhere that it was it started when you were 6 years old um when you had mm. a heart had a heart surgery. Mm. What, what exactly was that? So, just to to tell the viewers, was it, was what really happened there? Did you have heart surgery, and did that push you into therapy? Because I've had had therapy quite early on. Yes. So I I had heart surgery, and I I had terrible death anxiety, and I was sent to therapy. My parents, my well-meaning parents, sent me to therapy, and I absolutely hated it. It was like 
therapy jail and yeah. I I had to go twice a week at one point and it was with a very old school psychoanalytic therapist and he would just sit facing me not speaking for the entire session and I would say as little as possible and it was it was so frustrating and judgmental and awkward and I I think that's probably why I became a psychotherapist as well, just for revenge. To <laughs> revenge. To do it differently than that guy. You think you've succeeded? <laughs> I think I think that revenge is actually a really underrated motive. I I don't know why people often say like, as long as it isn't for revenge. Revenge forms the subplot of so many of our stories in life, and. It doesn't mean it's actual revenge on the person, but on some level, it's to it's to kind of deal with unfinished business from earlier experiences. So, can revenge be a good thing? Yeah, I'm I'm pro revenge. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank God, there's someone that uh, agrees the same as me. <laughs> I I was gonna say, can I? <laughs> Can I ask what your thoughts are about revenge? I mean, I mean, also, it's not honest to suggest that it isn't a factor for people. Like, I, I feel like there's shame about it and people can't admit their motivations. Well, that ties into a lot of your TED speech or into your maybe into your new book as well which is about your TED speech was what do you, as far as I remember, is what do you secretly desire? And that's why you, mm. what that is, is about why, why aren't people open? I think in the TED speech, really, just you talked about this and you talked about uh, why people aren't really so open with what their, their motives are. Uh, like this, revenge. Mm. Why aren't people so open with, with it? I, I think I, there's a lot of shame and, and manners and politeness and conversation requires restraint and kind of dancing around needs and wants to a degree. So if you think about just ordinary requests, like when you ask for something in a restaurant, you say, I would like instead of I want, like we go around issues, but it becomes it becomes such a game of kind of covering up our own desires that sometimes I think we lose sight of our unvarnished instincts and feelings and it, it becomes disconnected. And there's a lot, there's a lot of kind of deviation from just being straightforward in our own, in our own conversations with ourselves. Why should so we that's, be straight? That's why should we be straightforward? I mean, I think honesty, emotional honesty, is exhilarating and liberating and helpful for sometimes getting your needs met and making your life bigger and better. So we can sometimes play it small and kind of actually work against our own success when we we don't even let ourselves seek something that we really want. And if I think people, there's a huge amount. Yeah, if people um, know what they really want, but it's just how they get there, um, 
do, do they have to be open and honest with it, or at what stage should people be open and honest? I mean, I I wouldn't come up with some mandate for how all people should be about their wants at every moment, but I think it's brilliant when when people have insight for themselves. Like, there are all sorts of situations where you you don't necessarily want to convey to the world what you want, but knowing it, just being friendly in your own, in your own innermost self gives you clarity and is incredibly efficient. And I think it's amazing how easily we talk ourselves out of success because we can don't, we don't want to deal with our actual longings. Where do you think those roadblocks are built, stopping us from just being honest with ourselves? Where, where are they built? Good question. I think probably to keep us from being savage, out of control, lawless animals. Like, it, it's part of civilization to, to be restrained. But I think it also, it keeps us in check, but it, then kind of anesthetizes. So are the roadblocks a good thing then, if it keeps us good? I think that we've been given mixed messages and a lot of the social norms are kind of based on old myths that don't necessarily apply to today's existential issues and, and our life struggles. I. I'm interested in your question. I haven't actually thought about whether or not the restraint should exist. I can't imagine a kind of civilization where everyone just communicates with total honesty at every moment. Can you? Nothing else. It's like a child. That's what children do. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. And I mean, England is probably less straightforward than other cultures, but I don't know that yeah. there are any that are that are really candid, even the ones that seem candid. And what what is the issue? What is it think? a confidence issue? Not being straight on it, straightforward. Sorry, is that a confidence issue? I I think emotions and attachment embarrass us in general and we're afraid of not getting what we want and being vulnerable and being rejected and humiliated so there are lots of reasons we hold back from showing certain desires would you recommend people to be as open because i know you said you would do but the it's an, it's an interesting it's an interesting one to be so open because most people aren't like you said there's barely any cultures that you could think of that's more blunt than others or more open than others and i'm not sure how, how as much it would be a good thing i mean maybe uh, maybe it's more about being open with yourself rather than being open to other people i mean i i think it's brilliant when it, it's possible to be open in therapy or with a friend or a confidant and it's hard. It's it's not always straightforward, even in therapy, to to really 
say what's on your mind in an uncensored way. I think it is worth it for the kind of feeling of aliveness and connection to, I don't want to use the word authenticity because it's so overused, but to something that's genuine. I, I think it is more kind of fulfilling than holding back and pretending all the time. So I would recommend it when it's possible, but in safe places and context is everything. This podcast is sponsored by Iceberg. Iceberg is an SEO company unlike any other. Most SEO companies tie you into a six months highly priced contract, but Iceberg is different. Iceberg has no contract, has amazing customer service. You can contact them anytime, any day, and they'll be there for you. They actually get results and they don't charge a ridiculous amount. In fact, there'll be any genuine quote you get by 20%. So, if you want to increase website visibility and Google rankings to generate more inquiries, get in touch with Iceberg now. Contact them with the link in the description. Do you mind if we're going to... You mentioned on your TED Talk the story of Peter Bear, I believe his name is. And Peter you, Yeah, and you said that he had a, an, a massive... Uh, what's the correct word here? Massive impact. Impact on the way you. That's a good word. Massive impact on the way your psychotherapy is. Do you mind talking about the story with him? Nope, that's fine. I I wrote a piece about it in Time Magazine as well, so it's all out there in a way that has been the hardest thing I've ever done. And I have two children, and telling this story was. So difficult and so worthwhile for me. I actually just feel so relieved and so okay with it finally. But I I went through something very traumatic. I, I was in this relationship when I was 21 with this older man, Peter Beard, and he was well known and he was violent and I I kept everything secret and hidden and didn't didn't deal with it for nearly two decades and was very haunted by it and it was only after he died that I really began to face what had happened and in a way I wish I'd been able to deal with it sooner but I also understand why I couldn't and by running away from it and kind of not talking about this trauma, it it haunted me and echoed in my life in very menacing ways. So what the happened? things we run away from, like what did you say? What happened in that relationship? My relationship with him. Yeah, that yeah that scarred you. He, he was he was violent and abusive and it was a very unhealthy power dynamic but also it was formative and kind of wonderful in other ways and that was the harder part to deal with actually not the ways that I was traumatized but the ways that I also I had loved him and 
I found that really kind of shameful in some way. So you mentioned it took you about 20 years to come to deal with the pain. What was running through your head and, and scarring you for those 20 years? I mean, it wasn't just nonstop misery and flight, but I, I didn't know how to talk about it. I, I actually would struggle to even find the words and it was fragmented and kind of unprocessed the way trauma that hasn't been talked about is it just kind of remained dispersed and disorganized in my in my mind and i i tried to just banish it and not think about it and and then it would kind of impact my beliefs and feelings and attitudes in in subtle ways that I don't think I understood at the time. Does it still does it still impact you? It it's changed who I am, and I am glad for it and understand it and have clarity. And I don't I don't want it not to impact me. If that makes sense, like when when the piece came out, I found it interesting. That, uh, a few people in my life said, like, now you can just put it all behind you. And I, I didn't want to put it behind me. I still don't want to put it behind me. I, I think there's a lot of pressure to kind of get over things and, and be un, unbothered in some way. And actually, I don't feel like being unbothered at moments. And it's not, it's not how I work. And I'm I'm really comfortable with that now. Uh, did you? Did, did you I don't really relate to any of this, either of you. Yeah. Um, is in your TED talk you mentioned that you there was a part of you that still loved him, but mm. I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something along the lines of that and how you weren't being honest with yourself. What yeah. was and this was after he died. So what what was going through your head at that point after you'd heard the news of his death? I mean, I was devastated when he died. And there were different moments when I was over him, couldn't stand him, didn't feel any affection did. I mean, the way relationships, even after they've ended, play out in your mind. But because he'd been abusive and traumatic, I, I struggled to kind of make sense of the story and how I and how I talked about it just to myself. So I, I felt like I needed to hate him entirely. And and I also did hate him, but the ambivalence just was genuine in its own way. Like sometimes we have mixed feelings and need to tolerate the mixed feelings. They can't just be reduced to one or the other and entirely resolved. Do you ever want to resolve it? Resolve what, in what way? Well, so that's a good question. Um, is it the, the feelings that you have for him? 
Oh, for him, I I feel very accepting of having having paradoxical feelings, having different feelings, because he was someone who had wonderful qualities and horrifying qualities. So it's it's resolved in the sense that I I accept the the different kind of the different attitudes in my own mind but it, it doesn't need to be dealt with or pushed into some category it I have I have dealt with it now like I don't need to do anything emotionally if that makes sense but it I can still have the feelings yeah that makes sense what makes you Makes makes me ask. Just I just find it very interesting to see. I very I very much enjoyed your TED talk because uh, to, for people to be open and honest with who they are, with what they want, with their emotions, I think it's a it's a, very much a rarity. I think we don't have, or even what they're looking to do and why they're doing stuff, uh, to have a to have an understanding of of everything really is huge. Mm-hmm. And whether it's with uh, in a relationship, whether it's within, whether it's with what you do every day, whether it's just everything you do, you want to be able to understand. And I think, and mm-hmm. I, that that's just generally why I'm asking these sort of questions because I just, I find it an, an amazing thing that someone is able to do that. The question is whether everyone's able to do that, and whether it's a good, how much of that can be a good oh, thing. I mean, I. Okay, that's it intriguing so i i think it is it's possible when you're in the right environment in in a space where there's encouragement and permission and it sounds like you're tempted to to find that space i mean i think i think it is possible to be more direct and kind of go further for most people if they want to but we hold back and to have obstacles and there are so many reasons we can kind of talk ourselves out of out of having a certain level of conversation but i i found in my work as a therapist that people are starkly honest a lot of the time really when when they're encouraged when it's allowed. With a Is that of... about everything or about certain topics? About certain things. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it's not always unvarnished. And I mean, we, we cover things up just in any conversation to a degree. But I think, I don't know, have you, have you said anything that's honest and unvarnished? So far in, in this conversation. In this conversation, I hope so. Um, have I? I mean, the que- I haven't been opening up as much as you have. So. Well, I I think there was a moment when you were quite honest when you said that you find it interesting and amazing that people could kind of go there and it doesn't happen much. Like that that felt very genuine and brave as a thing to say. But those moments 
we have to kind of go out of our way to take risks when it is possible. I found in my work as a therapist that people specifically have mixed feelings about terrible relationships more more than I had probably expected years ago. Like horrible things can happen and it doesn't mean that it's just one thing. And have you found people have you found people being open about, about it like to be open that they enjoyed the relationship at the same time they hated it. They might have loved the person but they also hated the person. I think it's really important to be able to acknowledge those aspects of abusive relationships, especially because it, it doesn't mean that it makes the abuse okay or is kind of endorsing it, but it's also natural and understandable to, to have different feelings about abuse from, from the actual experiences. But I think people feel guilty and ashamed and and try to kind of banish the thoughts. There's strong words to use, like guilty, ashamed. Do you think that covers up a lot of what people do? Yeah, especially anyone who's been abused is going to struggle with shame and, I mean, in all likelihood. Why is that? Why is that? I, because I think shame is a, it's a social tool that keeps people silent and is a way of kind of determining authority and getting vulnerable people to obey and not question. The moments when people open up, do you, I think a lot of people would enjoy that, those moments. I would enjoy those moments. I'm sure it seems like you would definitely enjoy those moments. Uh, is that something that, that, that should be craved for? That like people should say, not should say, but that people would if, they would, if they would feel it, then they would appreciate it much more and they would really want it much more, to be open and honest and vulnerable and to see other people do the same. I mean, it really depends on the dynamic because I think opening up to the wrong person and feeling judged and unsupported is actually horrendous. And I, I don't encourage people to kind of have major vulnerability hangovers. So I, I think feeling comfortable and wanting to open up in in a situation is incredibly important. I, I wouldn't force it as a general thing. I think being curious and and looking for opportunities to feel that openness is a worthwhile thing. What do you think? Oh, oh, what do I think? No, I, I agree with you. I think there are times when when you, you want to open up and then you open up to the wrong person and it goes back at you. Mm. And you open to the right person yeah, and you, yeah. you crave that so much, that feeling. Mm. 
like you open up to, to the wrong person it's, it's just that that it's almost like it can almost become an addiction yeah yeah closeness is hard and takes constant kind of consent checking in a way how do you find it as a therapist that people come in to see you and I imagine there's multiple people a day and they're open to you and close to you even and I don't want to say it's it's I mean how do you find it when people are just completely honest with you even though you don't really know them I absolutely feel privileged to hold that space for people is it ever difficult for you it, no, I, I don't find that difficult. I find a certain level of social platitudes difficult, like in other areas of my life when everyone is just kind of saying, like if I start saying the same thing that I've been saying elsewhere and it, it all feels kind of scripted and hackneyed, I, I struggle with that much more why? why why didn't you struggle when other people tell you or open up about themselves it it feels real and meaningful and appropriate when it's in therapy do you like it when people open up yes if it's if it's a good idea for that moment like i i don't want to help people open up at the wrong moment and then leave them hanging like but yes why what is it that you imagine do you imagine that like being opened up to is not a good thing or not enjoyable no i think if you're able to do it and you you like doing it uh, then it could almost make it could almost like I said before it could, it's almost it becomes an addiction instead of I mentioned before opening up in the sense that if you open up to other people you crave that moment but I could imagine the other way around that if you get opened up to and you um, I think you, you've you've mentioned uh, maybe not inside the podcast this podcast but outside that you really like those moments that it could almost become an addiction to, to have those moments, to have those moments of That's vulnerability. Cool. Yes, it's a good point. And I, I like your observations. Thanks. Yeah, I, I have to sometimes, I, I do forget sometimes that it's, also quite intense and deep like the level of conversation that i'm used to having and i don't want to be kind of forceful about it with people who are just scared of going there or don't want to go there socially do those sort of do those sort of conversations not not particularly the moments when people open up to you and are extremely vulnerable but those conversations where it's, it's just not a casual conversation, but it's a conversation like this where people are being extremely open. Uh, those are the conversations that you, you love. Yeah. 
yes, I, I'm very comfortable in these sorts of conversations. I, I struggle when someone wants to know what I think and then actually doesn't. That's what do you mean by probably that? when people ask you when people ask you how's your day and then they don't they don't really care. No, not that not that level. But like I I'm thinking of a friend who I I was probably way too intense with a couple of weeks ago because he kept on saying i really want to know your opinion tell me what you think and and then told me details about his his life and i told him what i thought and i don't think he actually wanted to hear my opinion and that's the thing i i don't kind of i don't force my unvarnished views but if someone really wants to know what I think about something, I'm I'm quite honest, and it is still too much. Did it hurt um, when he didn't when he didn't really he didn't really listen? I feel like I made him uncomfortable. Like he just couldn't he couldn't kind of deal with what I was saying. I might have felt offended. Whose fault was that? Good question. I I think probably shared responsibility because he did he did say, "Tell me what you think," and I did check. But I probably should have given a smaller dose. Yeah. Do you think you've gone into therapy? For Sorry. What do you think? Whose whose responsibility was it? That... Actually, it reminds me of a scenario the other day with, uh, when someone asked me what I thought of something, and I gave my honest feedback, and they were not happy with it at all, and I regretted giving my honest feedback. Um, so, I think mm. it probably so at that point, I think it was my my uh, my mistake because but I I I missed. Sorry. But you'd been asked. You had been asked. But, but everyone's honest about it. But, but it's not. It, but it's more about understanding and understanding that social situation, and whether that person who asked are they someone close to that you can be really open with? Do they do they usually like hearing your opinions? Will they like hearing these opinions in this time? Is this the right time to be so open with them? I probably mistook it, and I'm, and I think most of the time it'll be on my my fault or your fault if something like I would think it's probably more lies on you than your friend. Yeah. Oh, I I don't have that view. I don't think. You... But it, no, not with this particular person, especially. Are you know that well. Well, yes, and it, he, it's a particular dynamic that happens where he gets avoidant, and I get, I, like the pursuer distancer dynamic can play out. It's it's a an interesting thing to think about whose fault it is. I think if you ask, why ask for someone's opinion if you don't want to hear it? I've got this one one. What friend. is it? That, Sorry. Yeah, no. I want to know what it was. 
what it was about when it was just about something like being too honest. it was just about really something small about how like uh, how something looks like a uh, watch looks and the person said what do you think yeah uh, so why uh, do you regret I uh, I said it look it looks very good but I'm not sure it goes with the rest uh, with uh, the the uh, with everything you're wearing right now it might be best in a different thing so I think that's being yeah, honest yeah. but some it's probably was wrong I, so, well, I think I think no I think that's brilliant I think if the person didn't want to know don't ask Yeah but one is they want to think... more level though they don't you know, you said that you might have given well, too much. What is it really about? It's not really about... What is it really no, about? It's no such okay. thing about asking just for a small level. Like I said, what is, it, what is it really about? It's more, I would think that's more about, not about asking and, and wanting to know. It's more about wanting a confirmation bias, wanting people to say that looks good. Yes. Yes. And so I, I mistook that. I, I thought they actually wanted to know what I thought. I should have understood that right. she wanted, wanted me to say, yes, it looks good. Or she could have said, will you just tell me that this looks good? <laughs> yeah. It's so conversationally inefficient to ask for someone's opinion and then not mean it. Yeah. Like, it's just too... it. I'm, I have to be opinionated about directness with that one. Uh, as I was saying is before. Did you mean it? Did I mean one hundred percent? I meant it. <laughs> I've got this one friend that, that whenever I want something honest, whenever I actually want honest feedback, I go to him because I know, no matter what, he'll be mm -hmm. totally honest with me, and I know everyone else that right. I talk to. And yeah. I really yeah. appreciate it. It's, I sometimes get very harsh criticism, but I appreciate it. Right. right. You can trust him. It's, it's kindness, I think, to be direct, even if it's difficult in the moment. Do people ever get upset at you for being too direct? Yeah. But when they're in therapy, they usually want to work on difficult things and don't want to waste their time. Usually. I mean, I also think if people are upset, they should be able to say that they're upset. Do you say that? Yes, but it depends on the dynamic, and sometimes that also can't be dealt with. How can it not be dealt with? I mean, a conflict is incredibly awkward for certain people. Well, for all of us in different ways. I would rather know if someone is upset with me so that we could work through it most of the time most of the time yeah sometimes i think it's helpful to let things go it's hard to let things go 
Yeah. I, I think you're wanting honesty. 100%. So does it feel possible with your friends, with your teachers, with people in your life? Are you fed up with constantly grappling with your tax return? Well, look no further. Kangaf accountants have never made it easier to manage your HMRC self-assessment. You will get a tailored service that will save you hours of your time and make sure you never miss that dreaded deadline again. So what are you waiting for? Head over to kangafltd.com. That's C-A-N-G-A-F-L-T-D.com. Or click the link in the description to see more. I try, I try to be honest. Um, I try to be open and try to get that back. But I think to a certain level, it's going to be, it's going to be very hard for a lot of people. So you can only really, like, I think with this conversation, for example, you've led the conversation and by being open and honest, therefore I'm being more open and honest. So with people, that's how it works. Right. You start it and they'll follow, but to a certain level. Agreed. And you can't force it if it's really asymmetrical and people can't or don't want to go there. Do you find are, it both, Sorry. Are you both studying at the same place, or how do you know each other? No, we did. We went to school together a while back. Yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's what and, Yeah. And where are you now? So we, uh, we both left school. We both work. So I, yeah. I work, I, I, I mean, we do this podcast together. I also run a marketing company and I also uh, own a charity. That's great. What does the charity do? The charity works with, works to help education. I always believe that education is really the biggest thing to stop anything. So if like this, exactly like this podcast, if people want to understand how to become better people or how to become, uh, not particularly better people, to be more open, they'd listen to this. This is educational. Um, and, I, and I think everything really comes from education. So we just really focus on education. Uh, so, for example, I created a anti-bullying film with a friend, I created an anti-bullying film about subtle anti-bullying, not just in any anti-bullying, but subtle anti-bullying, which I think applies for oh, not just children, not just teenagers, but every single person. So agree with you. And, and doesn't get acknowledged or dealt with and it plays out in every group. And I mean, even with parent groups at my kids' school, like it, it's so pernicious. I'd love to see that film. I'll send it over after. Um, and I re yeah, so that was, it was really nice to put it out, and it, got, it was amazing to see the feedback from it because we mm. received... It went really far and wide. Um, it, went, it was seen by a lot and a lot of people, and it was amazing to see the, the honest feedback as people would come mm. over and said that... And they would say it made me cry. Or that was just, it was just so open, it was just amazing to see. There's something about being true to yourself and the kind of congruence of 
doing things that feel right if you were, especially if you were bullied, even if you weren't, but were you? I think I think everyone. I mean, you might look at this as an escape from an answer. But you, you tell me what you think. But I think to some extent everyone. I think to yeah, some extent everyone everyone was bullied in school. Everyone not just bullied in school yeah. is, is. You can look at the word bullying, but you could use that as a synonym. So bullying being looked down upon, being pushed down, and that's not just applies yeah. as a child because that's a childish way to look at it. It's not just a child. It's as a teenager, oh, as an adult. I, I've been bullied in past few months. I mean, yeah, it's a strong word to use at the same time. Do you think bullying is a good thing in any way? No, I mean, why not? That's such an provocative question. And I, do I think it's a good thing? No. No, I, I don't. I mean, I, think, like, I would argue. I don't know. Maybe it was because I was younger. Because maybe not as a, as I get older. But when I was younger, I found when I was bullied, it would just lead me to get better. For example, I was I was much bigger as a kid. I was very fat, and everyone called me fat. So I went and lost weight. I'm better than ever. You you know. So an amount of bullying, or at least to me, I believe is good, if you could take it. Huh. And do you not think there are other ways people could have communicated to you or you could have kind of addressed No, not to the same level. I don't believe to the same level because there's that moment where people are saying something that's actually true and you actually feel hurt about Mm -hmm. it and you actually want to make a change. But you can't get that anywhere else. What if they'd said it in an honest way that was kind? I mean, that's where I think I don't know, it never happened, but I, I imagine I wouldn't have listened as much if it was kind. Really? Yeah, really. Hmm. I feel I feel sad thinking about a child being kind of bullied for weight, it just doesn't, it doesn't sound okay ever to me. It wasn't okay at the time, but after after an, an amount of time when you lose weight and you feel better and you are better, then mm. ultimately it is good. But I suppose there is a level, but I truly believe it was good for me. Mm. Well done for turning it into a victory for yourself. I think, I think it's a really interesting question that I've never been asked whether bullying is a good thing. I think authority is a good thing. And there are times when you have to establish a hierarchy, but I I don't think that bullying is ever necessary or particularly helpful. How, how do you react when you've been bullied in recent months? I found it excruciating. 
and incredibly difficult to admit to and it feels embarrassing and outrageous and appalling. I mean, it, it's not something that ever feels okay for me personally or when it happens to other people. But at the same time, I think we can all be bullies. So I, I'm not wanting to sound judgmental of the instinct. Like I think, I think scapegoats happen in most groups and it's just about looking at the dynamics and being aware, but I'm sure I have also been a bully. So I feel like I, I don't want to act like I'm just a victim or a blameless person. But in this situation, I was bullied by, I was bullied by Peter Beard's biographer who exploited my story and was incredibly unpleasant and it was really, really difficult. How did you react? I, I reacted by withdrawing from, I mean, it, he bullied me at different moments and he used he used my story in his biography and changed my name and got details wrong that made it sound like I'm that changed a key witness statement and it was incredibly disrespectful. I reacted by wanting justice and I, I wrote, my peace and I I felt like I dealt with it, but I don't think I needed to be bullied to get to that point. How how did you want justice? What what some of, how did you want it to be done? I so a pet <clears throat> a petty side of me wanted to just go for this guy and document everything that he'd done wrong and like just make it all about him and that actually would not have served me because my story was about Peter Beard and not his Schlemiel biographer who had exploited me and been mediocre and horrendous but also just not that noteworthy but the feeling of humiliation and violation was was so strong that I I also had to kind of I had to process feelings that couldn't be actioned and I find that hard but also I'm glad for not just kind of being out of control in those ways how did you process those feelings? Because I see a lot of times, um, I was scrolling around on LinkedIn uh, the other day and I saw pops up about an, uh, one of those anger rooms. I think they're much more popular in America where you throw right. things and they break. Is, is that right. Well, is that a good thing to process your anger like that? I mean, whatever, whatever it takes. But I, I know that it wouldn't have been in my best interest to put my energy into just 
going for this guy instead of serving a, what I wanted to kind of convey. And I, I think I think that when it comes to strong emotions, just acknowledging them, but not necessarily to the person, but somewhere, I, it just needs to be expressed and externalized to a degree. Is that in does in in the sense that has to be uh, has to be said? Does it have to be said to yourself, or has to be said to someone else? I, in my case, I I needed to say it to friends, to certain friends, and have. I mean, I had very supportive friends who who were just completely with me, and one of them was is a lawyer and was helping me with the legality, but also kind of helped me not just be emotionally flooded in a way that wouldn't have been productive. But being able to be a bit of a mess with people who love you is definitely helpful. Do you, do you have many friends who would be, who are, who are like how open you are and who are able to deal with it? I have I have wonderful friends and different connections at different moments. It's one of those things where I don't know how you feel about your friends, but I I love being close with my friends in different ways, but it kind of ebbs and flows. It sounds to some degree very diplomatic. Yeah, probably. I mean, I sound disappointed, don't I? <laughs> I I actually feel very grateful for my friends, but I I sometimes am disappointed and self pity. Why? Only only at moments because I I'm demanding and I give a lot and then I want a lot and yeah how about you how about me in what sense are you are you demanding as a friend or unassuming I think with the spotlight effect I'm I think with the spotlight effect, you think you're you're much you you're a much bigger person in other people's lives than you are. I, I hope that's not something yes. nihilistic, but just realistic. Oh no, that's totally true. That's I I often remind myself of that in general. Yeah. So when you say those things that you sometimes might be might be annoyed or that you feel like you might be a, a bit of a burden. Um, I think that's just sometimes you uh, think we all feel that what we're doing is playing such a big part of their life when in reality it's probably not as much. Yeah. I I cherish my friendships. I think it's that I'm I just actually I I love the connection so much that I'm I'm demanding. That's all. I have I have close friends who are visiting tomorrow and 
I'm very excited. So it's, it's rotation. It's more that you can't go to every friend for everything. That's probably a good way to look at it. You've gotten me to be very honest. Unusually. Unusually. I don't normally talk about my demands. I'll take, I'll take it as a good thing. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? Are you are you best friends? Are you do you right. ever argue? Do it, do uh, not that often, to be honest. How long have I known you? I've known you properly for like two years, and we bet we don't really argue. Not not often. I think I think with 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 every sort of relationship, whether it's friend relationship, whether it's partner, with any sort of relationship, there's this mm. certain there's a certain level of just it's always smooth, um, and that that level is before you really know the person that well, where it's just always smooth, and then once you get to know them. If there is no, if there is never arguments, then it's a bit of a disappointment, to some level. Yeah. Yes. You are seeming like you have the personality to be a psychotherapist. Thanks. You've got, you've got a big inner world that's dark and interesting, dark and light. <laughs> Dark, I'll, t I'll take that. Yeah, is that why you, you have a podcast to kind of go deep and see if you can push further in those ways? One of the reasons, yes, I really, I really do enjoy those moments. Just like when you you enjoy in psychotherapy, I I, I enjoy those in the podcast. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever find that you get addicted to that level of podcast conversation? Yes, 100%. And that's why, I mean, you end up listening to other people's podcasts or other people's stories or emotional uh, mm -hmm. things that they talk about. Yeah. So you're giving, giving, giving. I'm, I'm giving. I'm, I don't give. Sorry? Did he say you're giving, giving, giving? I, I find you quite giving like, and facilitating. But I, I wonder if you, I mean, do, do you get asked the questions that you ask? No, overrally, this is the first, so I, this is the first time in quite a few months What that you've been asked questions? I've been asked, yeah, I've been asked the, those questions. I've been asked the questions that I ask, or that mm. I've been asked, asked such such questions with with people who actually want to hear the response. Wow. There that are people who ask the people who want to hear the response, but. Mm. To some level, and they only, although they want to hear a response, they want to hear their response. Right. So you, th that is a healthy space to open up. 
but is that some, but you just have to be careful to who you open up to because although they are healthy they will support you how much will it will it work long term right so it's it's still narrowed for possibility for what you can say yeah i think you should just start saying what you think and if people have asked for your opinion then it's okay see what happens what happened with the person who wanted to know your opinion about the bracelet watch whatever it was what happened uh, they got upset and a few minutes a few minutes later uh, nothing not, it was as if nothing happened no. and did he she take your opinion take your advice and not not to my face, but I would I would think so behind behind closed doors. Right. I would hope so. Mm. Yeah. Do you think I should open up more? I think it's a good thing to be true to yourself when you want to be. And uh, the thing I regret conversationally is usually when I have said something that betrays me, that isn't how I really feel. Like if I've pretended, I, I don't like that feeling. I'm usually okay with speaking my mind if I've said it in a way that's reasonable and been honest. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with honesty. Maybe it's because I grew up with a lot of liars as well but that doesn't that doesn't really impact i mean that does impact who you are but you it's a bit like aaron when he said he was bullied and he feels that really helped him uh with the bullying you mm. you decided that it would help it would change you to be honest but you could have decided any other way so it wasn't i don't really see it as that that's being the reason that's that is your decision yeah that's true. Sometimes I fixate and I, I struggle to let things go. And I think that is probably a response to people just lying and finding that really difficult as a child and adult. Yeah. Do you think it's a good thing that you have those certain, uh, certain things like not being able to let things go? Um, it can be a good thing. It can also just be problematic. And I had a therapist who told me that I was like a ram with horns and she said it as an insult and like she wanted to diss me. And I took it as a compliment because I felt like it and I love rams with horns or just rams but I have come to realize that it's also problematic at times I I can occasionally just be a ram and be quiet but I would rather be a ram than a sheep <laughs> <laughs> definitely 
What do you think? 100% agree. Think I'm... Sorry. You're a Ram. Definitely. Oh, definitely. I mean, you're when you say that you're both rams more than sheep. I'd hope so. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. But sometimes being the kind of truth crusader is it's a lonely place. It is, isn't it? And it's not always that interesting. Like it has to be a worthwhile cause. Yeah. What What's your cause? Oh, I mean, whatever. It it, it varies, but I have certain issues I care more about. Like, I I, I think it's helpful if I can let things go that are just not important. I haven't answered your question. My cause, I, I really don't like inequality and bullying in different ways. And I don't like stupidity. But no, only that... certain types of stupidity. And that's the cause. Like that's good enough. Yeah, unofficially. Yeah, I mean, and it's really, really bespoke the type of stupidity I'm talking about. But yeah, what about you? What What's my cause? Yeah. Um. What's my cause? I'm not sure because I do different things for different reasons. So I run right. this. I run this uh, this charity because I mean I created the anti-bullying movie and it did really really well because I believed in it. I'm in the process right now of creating another movie about mental health and uh, about about suicide prevention because I believe in it. And but I'm doing right. I'm doing other stuff uh, for different reasons. Each is for its own cause, and each is powerful is powerful right. enough. Uh, you're that's right. just yeah. That is helpful. I think flexibility is also helpful as a philosophy, rather than limiting your options and being rigid. That's yeah. where. That's where I don't want to just be a ram. Aaron, do you think this, this has been a really good podcast? We and really interesting. Oh, yeah, I feel like for some of it, I was just sitting in on your uh, <laughs> therapy session. But yeah, that, that was really interesting. <laughs> you guys are both delightful. Uh, thank you so thank much you. for coming on. It was, it was, it was, you, we really, you really took your... Uh, your TED talk, what do we really desire? And re really expanded on that. Really showed us what it really, what it really looked like. You got me to speak my mind and expose everything. Expose, okay. <laughs> expose is the wrong word. Um, I, I really like talking with both of you.
Thank you so much. Thanks. And I'm going to keep thinking about certain things you've both said. Me too. I know it's one of those conversations. Um, I'd love to see your film as well. I'll send it over. What is what is your film about suicide? So, when are you that? So this one is about. So this one is about. Uh, we wanted to make it more a uh, bit bit deeper, but we realised there's, uh, of course, restrictions. We can do it if we're trying to work together with suicide uh, mental health organisations. We need to abide by those restrictions. But it's about suicide, and it's about someone feeling lonely, someone who doesn't have a core support group, uh, someone who doesn't have anyone to lean on, and it's just and that faces like an issue. It's not particularly external; it's an internal issue. That he just doesn't feel happy with who he is or how he is, um, and that, and and that's what it is. I think a lot of people relate to it on some level. Yeah. Wow. And when is it coming out? I have no clue. The worthiest cause. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so, so much. So, how did you come yeah. across me? <laughs> I meant to ask. How much is what? How did you How did you find me? TED Talk. TEDx. You just came across it. Yeah, I just came across it. Started looking to you like I'm going to show you something. Uh, so then I started looking to you. Found that I wrote down tons of information on about you. I uh, really found so much. It was, re it was really Everything. interesting. Yeah, no, this was just research for this, and it was just so fascinating. And you're in Manchester, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. That's where the TED Talk was. Did you go to the TED Talk, to the no. TED event? No. It was wild. In what way? Oh, I mean, talk about like group dynamics of everyone kind of, not everyone, but there were definitely kind of power dynamics playing out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It was quite unrelaxing. But then I, I loved the actual experience. But if, yeah, I mean, with anything like that, that's, I'm sure, the norm. You like TED Talks in general? Yeah, no, I do. Uh, some are more, slightly more boring, uh, but the ones where people are much more open. I mean, they're generally more educational, so it's not it's not the the main thing. And uh, education, is, mm. it's interesting, but it's more uh, uh, it's to a limit. So there are some talks I listen to which I find fascinating. Mm. Psychotherapists tend to not give much away. even the ones who talk about vulnerability. So it's funny, yeah, I see a lot of people who, and also they say, uh, we need to send, we need to send mental health, we need to send uh, all, all people who help out with mental health, they need to be, meet a counsellor every week, we need to make sure they have proper regulation, feel that they have somewhere to talk to. It's a very safe, and it's an amazing that they're saying that. Then I ask them directly, have, do you have mental health oversight? Do you see a counsellor? Do you see a therapist? Yeah. They won't, they, they, they'll, they'll change the conversation. They won't want to answer. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's such a hypocritical profession. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why we can't get past it. Like, why are we still pretending to not be people? Anyway, thank you so much for having me. You too. Thanks so much for coming. That was really on. interesting. Thanks. And let me know if if you have any follow up or I can help with anything. Well, I'll, I'll let you know.